This last, last week was our first, first Wednesday in like two, two and a half years. And so it was great to be back, kind of back to normal. We had actually, what's kind of funny is we had our, uh, our the largest recorded first Wednesday on, uh, on record. And so it was, it was great. We had the family on here, about 250 or so uh, there. It was great. We got a chance to eat together and uh, learn. So if uh, you have a calendar, mark it for the first Wednesday of March. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be great. It's going to be fun. So thank you to all you came out. And for those who missed it, let's get you back here next month. It'll be great. Uh, another announcement just to bring your attention. Uh, next week, we have a baptism orientation. Uh, it's it's, it's going to be at 1030. It's going to be down there in the conference room uh, during this service. And really, it's, a, it's something for if anyone's interested in getting baptized, learning about what baptism is and why we do it and how we do it. Uh, it's, great, it's a great opportunity to do it. If you've never been baptized, if you haven't been baptized, then uh, you should. God says that, you know, if you put your faith in Jesus, you should be baptized. So I want to encourage you, if you've never done it, think about checking it out. You can either go online or our website and, and register, but really you can just, just come and, and we'd love to just kind of explain that to you because we'd love to hear your story and how God's changed your life and be able to baptize on a Sunday morning is kind of when we do it here, uh, right over here. So check that out if you haven't been baptized and you put your faith in Jesus, you need to do it. You need to do it. No, 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 no sense in waiting. So I uh, want to put that on your calendar and, and mark that if you want to check that out as well. Uh, well, we're in a series. We started last week looking at Philippians 4, but specifically contentment and kind of having that satisfied soul. We talked about uh, contentment through rejoicing. Pastor Brandon unpacked uh, the... the um, just the, the truth that, that, that contentment is found when we learn to see God all around us. Talking about, you know, rejoice uh, always and don't be anxious about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition. Uh, great sermon. If you, haven't, you didn't get a chance to see it, you can always check it out online go and go watch that again. But we're going to continue on. We're going to keep going. And, and with Philippians chapter 4, we're going to talk about... Uh, further, what well, contentment from a different angle? We'll talk about transformation a little bit, uh, but I, w- I want to start with this. I want to start with this. Uh, I I am a marketer's dream because I buy things that just are cool and captivating, have a great commercial or a great jingle. I'm going to purchase that thing. I'm going to go and buy that thing, and I'm going to I'm going to just I'm taking it in really easily, and I'm just you know swayed. Uh, and, and I remember uh, I was watching infomercials like sometimes we do. You know, sometimes, inf- I don't know when infomercials turned into like feature films or just full TV shows, but they did, and I'm like 30 minutes in. But I, I how many of you guys remember the uh, infomercial uh, P90X? Remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that was a wonderful infomercial. Super captivating. And really got my attention because all these people who, you know, I, I, I don't know, they couldn't walk or, you know, weighed a thousand pounds, they bought P90X and, and then all of a sudden they're doing pull-ups and just doing this thing to each other all the time or that. They don't have, they have their own greeting. Anytime you can be a part of something where they just have their own like greeting handshake thing, like I'm on, I'm on board for that too. Um, but uh, so, P, but P, so I went out, I got it. I bought P90X. It's great. So I have like sweet DVD set, you know, when we use DVDs and we got his big old box and like this, that strong guy on top of it, the, or the guy that was the founder who does like sideways pull-ups and things. And, and I, I got it home and I'm like, wow, this is like 90 minutes long. I'm like, oh, okay. That's what the 90 stands for. <laughs> like 90 minutes. I'm thinking, okay, if I did anything for 90 minutes, I would probably be in better shape. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like... 
could brush my teeth for 90 minutes and I, I think I'd be like dropping some pounds. But so, uh, you know, needless to say, I, I think I put about uh, 32 minutes into a DVD maybe. And, uh, you know, took it to the Goodwill a little while later. I don't even remember when. <laughs> but I'm like, their commercials were so convincing. They were so compelling where you see these people make these amazing life changes and they, and they, they're, you know, they, they've, I'm tired of being this way and I'm tired of being tired, I guess is what they say. And they, and then also they bought this and they got into this program and then just started doing 90 minutes of workouts a day and looked amazing and feel amazing. And I was just like all in. I love, I love seeing these things. I love seeing those transformation stories and, and I got it and it was just, you know, it was super difficult. So I put it away and didn't do it again. But again, I'm a marketer's dream, right? So you're like, Hey, I'm going to meet me afterwards and sign me up for your pyramid scheme. Um, <laughs> I won't do it. I don't, don't do it. Uh, but but what's, what's, what I love, and I still have to say, are, are transformation stories. I love those before and after things where you, they kind of take you on the journey and you see kind of how they were before and how they acted before and, and what they did. And then, then once they committed to this thing, they just went all in and they changed their life, changed their perspective, and they look better, they feel better. It just everything got, got changed. And it's, it's super compelling to watch those, those kind of stories. It's the same thing with what I love about the baptism stories. It's like, I love hearing about God changing lives. I love hearing that I was one way, you know, and, and, and now I'm this way. And I love hearing how you know, God could pull various people out of situations and got them on the right road. It's, it's a, a really compelling, really neat to hear God work in people's lives. And that is what that, that, that God transforms lives. And God wants to work in, in each of our lives this morning. And I'm excited that we get a chance to look at that specifically transformation and what it does to us when we are in fact transformed. You know, the, the, the funny thing is if you're not, if, if you need a transformation, you know, right? If you, if you need a transformation, you, you, you do. If it's physically, you, you just know you're tired. You don't feel good. You're, you know, maybe you're depressed. Maybe you have, you know, anxiety when you go out. Maybe just, you know, low self-esteem. You just know, like, okay, I need, I need to do something different, you know, in my body and in my life. You just know. I think spiritually it's the same way. When, when on a spiritual level, when we need a transformation, we know. It could be something as simple as a, as not as simple, but as, as profound, I guess I'd say, as uh, a, a, a feeling of, of, of lostness, or a feeling of, you know, a, a purposeless life. You know, it can be something like that, or it can be a, um, a guilt thing. It can be a secrecy thing. It can be like that you're hiding thing. It can be, uh, you're afraid to be honest with people. There's all these tells where we think, I need a transformation within me. It's not, it's not difficult for me to diagnose when I need that transformation. It's just not. And I think, I think you know as well, if you need that. My, my hope this morning is, is we, when we dig into this stuff and we kind of um, dive in, I, I really want us to be just really like reflective in our own life of if, if, if this is us or not. And just to give you kind of, I'm going to give you kind of the main point and we'll kind of unpack it a little bit. So don't leave just after I give it to you, stick around because we'll explain it a little bit. Um, but, but, but I want to just give you two up front and then we'll kind of uh, unpack how I get there. So here's the, the point. If you're taking notes, you can do this. Um, you can write this down. It says that, that when we experience peace and contentment, when our thoughts and our actions are aligned with God's. Okay, that we experience peace and contentment when our thoughts and our actions are aligned with God's. 
So as we go through today, I, I want you just to be thinking and praying like, all right, Lord, what, what, what do you have for me? What do I need? I'm not going to throw out individual things to try and maybe, you know, that one will land, but rather I want to just kind of dig into God's word. I want you to be praying, Holy Spirit, just what, what is it? Do I need a transformation? You know, if, if you haven't given your life to Christ and you're here visiting, that was wonderful. And I want you to consider maybe you need a transformation. Those of you who have been walking with Jesus for a long time, um, maybe, maybe it's time for God to do a work in you and to kind of, kind of take things a little closer to him, make some changes. I don't know. Um, but I want to I spend some time looking at this idea of transformation. First of all, this, so, so the next the, kind of the point when we've got an intro here is this, that God has provided all we need to have our lives transformed. Okay, so right now, God has provided all we need in our lives to be transformed. See, when I watch that P90X video, I'm like, oh, I, I didn't have this DVD set before, you know, so now I can have my physical transformation into just, you know, a pull-up, you know, doing machine, but uh, it, didn't, it didn't work. But, but thankfully, God has provided everything we have already, the love, the forgiveness, even a guide on how we can see him work and how we have transformation in our own life. Verses like Romans 8 where it says that, you know, God shows us his love in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Before I even recognized that I needed a transformation, Christ died. Psalm 119, 105 says that your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. He has given us a guide. God's word is a, is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. We have a guide and we have a God who loves us and has gone before us. There's nothing more that we need besides God's love to make that transformation in our life. And that's important to know. And that, that, that's a really important spot to be in. Now, in a generic sense, Transformation is like this. If you were to give like a, like a textbook definition of what just the word transformation, because I want to define terms so we're on the same page here. Generically, the, the transformation is like a thorough or a dramatic change to somebody's life, somebody's thoughts, somebody's, you know, it's, it, it's a dramatic and kind of a thorough change. And so that's kind of when you say, hey, you've had a major transformation, in a just kind of a, a generic way, that's what we refer to. However, when we get into the spiritual realm, when we dig deep into, into what, what we mean from on a spiritual level, here's, here's the definition of, of what we'd say uh, spiritually, what, what transformation is. And it's this, it's a little bit wordy, but I'll read it a couple times. Um, it, it, transformation spiritually is an inward renewal and a reshaping of the mind in which a person is changed into the likeness of Christ. So it's an inward renewal and it's reshaping and it starts with our mind and we change into, it changed into the likeness of Christ. So that when we think on a theological level, well, that's what we're talking about, becoming more Christ-like, making those changes to become more Christ-like. And on a theological level, when we look at transformation, there's a couple kind of big, heavy-hitting verses that are always good to bring up and are always good. If, you're, if, if, if you haven't committed them to memory, this is a, these are good verses to commit to memory. Uh, but here's kind of like a, almost like a biblical overview of the idea of transformation. One, the first is, will be up on your screen there, Romans 12, 2. It says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So don't, don't conform to the world, but you're changed through your mind. 
You're gonna change through the way that you're thinking. And God says, change the way you think. And then by doing that, you can discern what is from God and what is not, and you can ma- and you make that life change. That is, that is a, a core foundational verse when it comes to transformation. Another big verse is 2 Corinthians 5.17. And this is an, another Paul verse. Both Paul verses, we're kind of sticking to Paul, uh, Paul's letters here so we can all kind of have that cohesion. But 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is past and the new has come. If, you, if, if you've had that life transformation, Paul's saying that it's like, it's a, you're, you're brand new. That means the old you is gone, the new you has come, and God has worked so dramatically in your life that you are, you are considered a new creation. That is, that is dramatic transformation that can only come from God. And so God has made these, these, the tools available. These verses we can look at, we kind of have this foundation. We have the Bible to guide us with this transformation. We don't need necessarily any, any, anything more to, to, to cause that. So let's look into a little deeper what, what this all entails. So the next, the, the next point there is this. Transformational contentment starts with my thoughts that the transformational contentment starts with my thoughts. Now, let me just define what I mean by transformational uh, contentment. Not a word I use all all the time. In fact, it might be the first time. But here's what we mean by that. Here's what I mean. I have a definition up for you. It's there. It's, it's It's the peace and the contentment that can only come from having your life radically changed by God. That's what I'm talking about. The peace and the contentment that only comes from God, that can only come from God, that's when I say transformational contentment. That's what I mean. You get this peace, and you get this, you get this, this contentment. And, and, and Pastor Brandon unpacked it a little bit last week about that, uh, about the peace. But, but this is the, the only, like, I, when I'm living for the creator of this world, living the way that God wants me to live, and I, I found that fulfillment, there's a peace. And, there, and there's a, a contentment that can, that can only come from God having changed your life. So I want to look into a little bit deeper this, this uh, section in Philippians 4. And what does Paul have to say to, to the church there? And this is, this, is, this is a pretty, it's a positive. There's letters that Paul writes where he's kind of, you know, railing on some of these churches who are, there's a lot of shenanigans going on and he's going after them. But in Philippians, he's super encouraging and, and really keeping a positive note. There's a lot of things in here that's a little bit different and unique to this, this letter that I want to unpack a little bit. But let's go ahead and read in Philippians 4, verse 8. This is the end of the letter, so it's, it's starting out with finally. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is any worthy, anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So kind of a simple, straightforward, but there's a lot there. That there, there's a lot there. It, it, and it's, it's interesting that, that Paul's basically saying, okay, think about these, the, all these things that he's going to mention, all these positive attributes. He's like, you know, you guys need to, th- to think about this. Like, you know, dwell on it. I want you to, 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 to put these in the forefront of your mind. I want to kind of unpack each one of these. And I want to um, uh, kind of, you know, so, some are kind of simple, straightforward, but some are a little bit uh, nuanced. So I want to take care of it. If, if you've studied Greek or if you've gone to Bible college or you've gone to, to seminary, there's a few words in here that are just really annoying because we used to have like this, this, this uh, little um, 
little cards, these cards that you flip through that were the flash cards that have a one side of the Greek, opposite side of the definition. And I mean, just a thick, and you just, I just remember night after night, just boom, 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 going through and trying to get them and trying to get them. And you kind of, the way your professors would start with the most common, the most common words you, you start looking at first. You don't look at Paul first because he's the most heady. You usually start like John because he kind of has a simple, but I just remember like doing these. Then towards the end, when you get to the like second year Greek or, or, or even more, they start pulling out these words that you see once in scripture, like once. And, and of course, it, those are the words that you remember because it comes once. And all the ones that occur so many times, you just forget because your mind betrays you all the time with that. And so at least that was my experience. But in here, you have a couple of these words in here that like are only found once in the New Testament. And so we might think we know what they're talking about and what, what Paul means on here, but, but because of the language, uh, the, you know, at first glance, we may not. We may not. So let's go ahead and just unpack each one of these kind of words, and, and then we'll, we'll pull them apart. So the first, okay, so think about whatever's true. Okay, so, so Paul's like, anything, whatever is true, defined is finding its measure in God. So it is, it is, it is true. It is true as lined up with God's word, with, with, with what, what he decrees. That, that is what he's talking about there, which is true. The word honorable, that which is worthy of respect. So whatever's worthy of respect, okay, think about that. Just, the word just there is, is right by God. But, but there's, a, there's a right by God, but there's a, a social component to this, really. If you were to fully define it, it's, the, it's, it's really that it's right by God and his relationship with his people. So it has a, has a, a, you know, a, a right by God, but also he wants to include, the word includes by his people, with his people. There's a social component in there. There's a togetherness component in that word as well. Pure, just not tainted by evil. So pretty straightforward there that think about what is not tainted by evil. Lovely, this is one of those words that's just that one time it shows up and it's, it's, it's not what we think. It's really, it says lovely, um, that something that calls forth love. And you know, you think with, when the word love comes up, if you've heard sermons on love, you're, you're expecting, you know, it's the agape love, it's the, you know, eros, which is the romantic love, it's the, you know, brotherly love, the Delphi, you know, it's one of those three, but this is not it. This is a completely unique word that has a unique connotation to it that, that is, that this, it, it kind of was really interesting to kind of dig deep into this and why Paul would say this. I'll come back to it in just a sec. Uh, we're, uh, commendable, that which is ad- admirable behavior. So, so, but, but this is another word that comes, I think, once, and it has a further connotation, admirable behavior as believed by most. So it has, a, has a, a, almost a societal component to it where it's as, it's like winsome, to where this is admirable as believed by most. Not necessarily the definitive language we would expect from, from Paul who just, you know, kind of hammers off like right doctrine, you know, having, you know, this, he, he uses a couple words here that have a little bit more, uh, uh, I guess, lateral movement than we're used to, which is kind of interesting. Then we see Paul flip a little bit to say, okay, uh, if anything, if there's anything excellent, which is just uncommon character, and if there's anything that's, that's praiseworthy, which is worthy of praise, pretty literal there, um, think about these things. So as we leave this up there for, for a little bit, Paul thought it important to spend time, spend paper, ink, the whole bit, spelling out every one of these. Spelling out each one of these was important and needed to be written. 
They needed, they, they, the, the, the church at Philippi needed to hear these things. This is not random. I mean, Paul's in prison. He doesn't have a whole lot going on. So, you know, as, as guided by the Holy Spirit, he's, he's, he's led to, 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 to go after these full things. He's saying, hey, if, if anything is true, according to God, like, well, think about it. If you, if you see things in society that are worthy of your respect, or worthy of respect, think about them. If you find things that are, that are just or that are, you know, that things that are pure, think about those things. But this word lovely that we come to, what's interesting is when you see that it's, it's, a, it's a calls forth love, this, this, this is a love that is, that is, as you observe things in society that will invoke love, that will, that will, that will be cause a, a good outcome, that will cause people to feel love. Paul's saying, think about these things. Think about that. Think about that kind of love that you just see. When you see something good happening, people to each other, okay, thank God for that. And it's, it's so different than what we're used to with Paul because he's so definitive. And so, it, I mean, he hammers home good doctrine. And then, then, then he comes across these words like this that are, that are broader in nature. And same with the commendable too, like the, the, uh, it's admirable behavior is believed by some. Okay, well, well, there's some people who think some stuff and other people who think other stuff. But Paul's like, hey, if, if there's some, some, something that's commendable, we'll, we'll make sure to think about it. Now, Paul's not saying, let's have positive thoughts, positive vibes, you know, and, and, and can't we all just get along type, you know, kumbaya feelings here. Paul, but, but what he is saying is, there are there is is a, a chance where you can look at things one way or you can look at things another way. I'm, I'm going to read a commentator's take on like a sentence that I came across that helps explain it. Um, the, the commentator said this, and it'll be up on your screen as well. That as believers in Christ, they will. This is the explanation: that they will embrace the best the the best of that world as well, as long as it is understood in the light of the cross. So, so in other words, this commentary and other scholars agreed with this. I, I just thought they said this. They said this well that it was that that Paul is saying that believers in Christ em, embrace the best parts of y- your environment as long as it doesn't as as long as it doesn't contradict the cross or through the lens of the cross. Think about those things. You see, the problem is we we. The problem is that wasn't happening or there, there's a danger of that not happening. So Paul's got to address this thing. And I think with us, we have the same problem of, of, of being so uh, burdened with negativity and with, with just the bad things that are happening all around you that it, it can be overwhelming. It can be overwhelming. You know, when Paul, Paul writes this, the funny thing is he had no idea that, that we would eventually have, you know, devices in our pockets that would give us notifications and let us know all the terrible things that are happening around the world. I mean, I'd be venture to guess there's probably a few already who's, you know, either your phone vibrated, it's a news update, and some person did a terrible thing to somebody else, or they said a terrible thing, or, I mean, that's how our news operates. They figured out that negativity, like, sells. Negativity invokes an emotion that causes us to engage more with their, with their sites, and so all of a sudden, we're just inundated. You know, we can't, we can't walk away from it. We have to intentionally turn the notifications off on our phone, or, like, unsubscribe to this or that, but it, it follows us around. You know, Paul didn't realize that, that would happen, but he realized the, the danger in focusing on negativity only. I mean, come on, this last two years, how much negativity was available to us to study? So much, so much. 
It's just, you, you couldn't get away from it. And so people were on edge. You see people going off at, you know, the grocery store because something happens and you just know that there's a whole, that's a culmination of a lot of negativity being, you know, spewed out. I mean, we, we all felt it. We all know we probably still feel it now to a certain extent. And so I think what Paul's addressing here is that, that temptation to fill your life with those negative things. And he's combating by saying, no, no, no. You need to not focus on those things. Where's the, the uh, uh, little known fact, fun fact about myself? I love cooking. I like to cook. I do, I do a, a decent portion of it uh, at home. And I love, uh, I got a smoker this last year, so I love, I just, I've been smoking everything at home. I don't know if you realize you've got a smoker. Also, you're like, what? You can, you can smoke that. And I put like a pizza in it. I know what you're thinking. It sounds bad, but in the smoker. You could put like a pizza in the smoker. You could like smoke meatballs. Like yesterday, I smoked a bunch of cheese yesterday. It was great. It was great. Uh, and you just, like, like, you just start, but all of a sudden now, I'm like, okay, so I got this, I got this, this, you know, this smoker. Well, now I, I'm going to go get some meat to get it. And now all of a sudden, oh, the, the kind of meat actually starts to matter now. Right? Like, you're like, okay, I can't go to that store because their meat's pretty terrible. Or it's like, if it's get like close to the shelf life, like, yeah, I'm going to avoid that. Or I think it's probably worth spending a little bit more money because of the quality or, or you just realize that, that, that it, it now the, what you're, what you're using actually there's the, the, maybe a stakes are a little higher or like if you're cooking something, you're going to throw, no, no pun intended there. I just realized I did that stakes higher. Come on guys. It's like 11.15 already. You should be awake by now. It's quality humor. Um, <laughs> but uh, when, 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 you like, when, you, when you're mixing things together, they always say, you know, don't, don't, don't use an ingredient of something that you wouldn't, you wouldn't uh, want to eat yourself. Like if you put one terrible ingredient in there, you were spoiled milk, it's going to ruin the whole thing because you're putting something terrible in there and it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to infect it. It's going gonna, it's gonna to taint it. It's going to be, it's going to ruin it. And the same is with our minds. When we start filling our minds with negative, with negative stuff, with things that aren't from God, all of a sudden it, it affects our lives. Even, even, even those that they say, it, it doesn't affect me, eventually it will. Eventually it will. I promise you when, you, when you keep putting negativity in and in and in, it will come out. And Paul knew that. And Paul was addressing that and saying, hey, church, like, think about these good, positive things that come from God. And he's saying, he's, he's, he's saying you, you need to make that choice to do that. Make that choice to think about it. He's not saying you're already thinking about them. He's like, hey, all these things, think about them. You need to think about those things, not keep on thinking about them, not continue. No, no, think about it. To infer that wasn't necessarily always happening. And when you, when you make the choice in your mind... I kind of see like it, it, it does two things. When we make the choice in our mind, we have to make, the, make a choice of what I call a choice of direction, which means I, I need to make a choice if I'm going to focus on good things to where I direct my attention. I have to make a, a choice to, to intentionally focus on, on the, the good and intentionally remove my focus from the bad. There, there are, there's be it, you know, shows or be it, you know, podcasts or be it whatever that like, if I, if I'm consuming that, putting that in front of me in my ears, my eyes or whatever, it's, it's going to put me in a bad place. I know that. And so when I make a choice, I got to make a choice of direction that I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to either zero in on it or I'm going to avoid it. My, my other, my other choice is, is a choice of perspective where I can choose to find the good in something, or I, I can choose to reject the bad in it as well. I can see God 
work in, in the worst circumstances. I can see God work in the best circumstances. And in the converse, I can see the, the, in the best circumstances, see the worst. And in the worst, in worst circumstances, I'm just going all in on. We have to make that choice to direct our attention, our folks in the right way, and to choose to perceive things positively as well in a way that God would want us to consume things. So how do we do this? First, biggest way is scripture. We've got to be people who are continually going back to God's word, continually. It's got to be, either we're listening to it, either we're seeing it, um, either we're talking about it. We've got to be consuming God's word. I don't know what that looks like for you. I don't know what your schedule is. I don't know how your, your day operates, but, but we have to be getting that in front of us some at least some, one minute's better, no minutes, a little's better than none. We, we got to get into God's word. That was the first, to, to put that truth in front of us. We got to then remove those things that either that prevent us from, from getting into our godly practice. We got we to remove those things. There may be some things in your life that may be okay, but if they're keeping you from, from doing what God wants you to, maybe we should remove those. And then also this, to practice seeing God's goodness on the daily. Practice seeing God's word. We have to actually make an effort to see that. I'm a pretty cynical person by nature. I just, this just, I'm, I'm wired so it's hard for me because I just, I just, cynicism's like my thing. Sarcasm's like just the thing. And so I, I have to make a constant choice to look and see God in situations and not get kind of into the, the, the negative zone there. And here's kind of the next point as we travel to the next verse there. It says, this, the, the next point I have is the transformational contentment. It starts with my thoughts and is realized with my actions. Here's what I mean by that. Philippians 4.9. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. There's two pairs of, of descriptors there that we see. We see the first one is, is together the learned and received. That's the first. The second is that we've heard and that we've seen. So we got learned and received, we got heard and we got seen. So what Paul's addressing here is he's saying, he's saying to them, okay, you've learned this. You've received this. So this, the, what he's talking about is something that they already have. They've already heard it. They've already learned it. It's been presented to them. It's been known by them. They've got it. Okay, he's not saying learn something new. He's not saying that, that something that you need to wait for it to come in the mail. You need to wait for it to arrive. He's like, no, no, you got it. You've heard it. You've learned it. It's there. And the other thing is, is, is this other thing, you've, you've heard it and seen it. So, so you have an academic perspective, learned it, received it. That's more academic, right? You're learning things. And then the, the other one is more observational. You've seen it, you've heard it. Both of those are, are, are past tense. Paul's like, you got these things. You've learned it and you've also seen, you, you know that I was, was a persecutor of Christians. This is Paul talking. And then, and then God got a hold of my life, had a radical transformation. And now I'm here writing to you from jail because I got put in jail because I'm preaching God's word. I'm preaching Jesus. And I got put in jail for that. You know that. You've seen the transformation in my own life. You guys have seen that. You've, you've, you've learned it. And so, and so guess what? Practice these things. As, as that, that, that comes across as, as such a, a, a soft and such a kind of, you know, just, just gentle 
charge, if you will. But Paul's saying, like, you, you know this already. Just, just do it. Practice it. Practice these things. One of the dangers in church, one of the, one of the, the traps that we have for us is that, that we have such a good time learning that, that, that we, we lose a little, pers- little bit of perspective. Here's what I mean. We have great, like, studies as Christians, we do, we have, there's great, there's great podcasts, there's great sermons. We have like the women's studies are great. The men's studies are great. We have classes, we have services. We got, we got, we have so many opportunities to learn and just to, to consume things. There's great Christian books out there. There's great, there's great studies that we can do as small groups. There's so much great stuff. And we just, we finish one and we're thinking, Hey, what's the next one? What, what, what can we, what, what's the next one? And, and, it, and that's a good thing. It's really good that we want to learn. And it's really good that we have opportunities to, to get into God's word. It's great. But how many of us need more knowledge before we need to act? Like how many of us are, our struggle right now, that thing that you're dealing with, that, that, that thing that is your struggle, do you really need to learn more about it? Or do you just need to stop? Or do you just need to start? Or do you just need to like talk to somebody? Or what, what like, do you need to really learn more? We don't. I'm telling you, you if, if, you've, if, if you've heard it, what you need to do, like we need to act as well. All these things are, are their positives. Like we should be studying these things. I, I recall back in my youth ministry days, I was a youth pastor for a long time here. And, and uh, I remember there's a couple times where we had a, a couple different students who, they had, a, they had a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday youth group. Not the same one. We were the Tuesday group. <laughs> so they had, a, they had a Monday group that they went to, they had a Tuesday group they went to, they had a uh, five days a week. They had, a, they, had, they, had, they had youth group. Now, there's, a, there's a, a lot of terrible places you could be for five nights in a row, right? Church is good. Not bad. Right? Little teenagers staying out of trouble, going to, you know, going to youth. It's great. It's good. But, but what happens is all of a sudden now you get, you get in, you're, you're in like consumer mode and you're in, Hey, I'm going to consume. I'm, I'm just going to, I'm going to take it in. What do you guys got for how many cute girls have not rejected me yet in this group that I can, you know, go to. That's really, I think the probably the motivation, right? You just, you know, get rejected by all the girls, in the youth, youth group, and I'll go to the Thursday group. Maybe they don't know me yet, <laughs> but, uh, but it's, a, but it's this idea like I'm like that consumer mentality of like, I'm just going to go to this, 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 this. And, and you get in this mode of like, Hey, it's great. It's a great sermon. It's a great lesson. It's a great small group. It's great. This, and you, you get so, so wrapped up in just learning that you forget. I'm actually supposed to apply this stuff. I'm actually supposed to put this into practice. And, and guess what? If, if we turn our minds into just like a Christian museum full of facts and full of, uh, you know, just lessons we've learned about the Bible and don't ever do anything about it, we're missing the point. And in fact, God is not pleased with us gaining knowledge never to be applied to our life. Because Paul is emphasizing right here that not only do you guys have to think about this stuff, you have to do something about it. And that's the point that you actually put it into practice. You, 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 you actually apply it to your life. So learning and growing and consuming things and reading things is, is fantastic. And we should do it as, as much as we can. We should consume God's word. We should do studies. However, we should not do them at the expense of us living it out in our own lives. And we should not confuse learning about God with actually living out 
what he has for me. We shouldn't confuse the fact that I'm learning things doesn't mean that I'm actually sharing my faith just because I learned how to. So I want to encourage all the learning in the world. I want to encourage you to keep studying, keep studying, but I also want to encourage you, as Paul does, to put it into practice. Next point for taking notes. Transformation happens when we choose to live God's way. Transformation happens when we choose to live God's way. We talk about putting things into practice. We talk about taking the experience and things we've learned and actually, and actually putting them and making that choice, that decision to get into practice. I love Jesus ends his Sermon on the Mount by, by uh, giving, giving kind of a, a similar, Paul echoed what Jesus said in this in Matthew 7. You can follow along on the screen. It says in verse 24, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell and great was its fall. Paul taught the, the same lesson that Jesus taught here. Jesus is saying, if, if you don't apply these words, it, it, you, you have a false sense of spirituality, you have a false sense of closeness to God if you're not willing to put them into practice. But if you do, if you, if, if, if you do, if you, take, if, you, if you read the scripture, you're like, I need to do this, and you actually do it, your foundation in your life is strong that the, the storms that come, the winds that come, all the, the trials that this life throws at you, cannot ruin you if, if, if you're rooted in God's word and the application of God's word. Jesus is saying it is, it is a strong foundation that's built on a rock, unshakable. But if you just consume biblical knowledge and never apply it, you got walls, you probably may got a nice roof and some windows, but there's zero foundation. It's sand, if water comes down, it's just gone. It just falls. Church, we, we need to be people who not just listen to the word, but practice it, but act it out. We're not perfect. I'm not saying we're going to always bat a thousand, but we need to be trying to apply God's word. So I'm going to come to, to uh, reiterate the point that I, I said at the beginning, which is this. The point of this morning is that we experience peace and contentment when our thoughts and actions are aligned with God's. That peace and that contentment that can only come from God happens when, we, when our thoughts and our actions are aligned. I love the last phrase of this section in verse 9, Philippians 4, 9 there. Paul says, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. You can have that contentment and that peace when you're, when you're trying to apply God's word to your life, knowing that you're trying, you're, 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 you're living it out, that you know that it means so much, it's impacted your life so much that you can do this. And that's how our life transformation happens when we, we know what we need to do and we, we act on it. So the worship is gonna come out, but I'm gonna close, I'm gonna close with this as we have one, one last song to sing. But I just wanna say, if you've never put your faith in Jesus, if you, and you need that transformation, if you're thinking to yourself, like, I just feel that discontent, I feel like something's missing, and I, I need that transformation that only God can give.
the, feel, the, the contentment and the peace that comes from God. I cannot get it anywhere else. I want you to think this morning is, is, is a good morning to take your first step. Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the day, dead, you'll be saved. That is to say, if you, if you just believe that Jesus is the way for you and that, that he is the son and you put your faith that that is the first step with your transformation. I want you to be thinking, if that is your first step this morning, come talk to one of us. I want you to pray, pray whether it's a you know, guest service or whoever brought you, we'd love to get a chance to, to talk to you and pray with you. If you been a Christian for a long time, I want you to, I want you to really reflect am I practicing these things that I've been learning. Or am I just a collector? Collector of biblical knowledge, biblical facts. Am I practicing? Paul gives a good, a good uh, challenge for us. And may we be listeners of God's word but also maybe, maybe practice it as well. Would you stand with me while we close in prayer? We have one final song to sing, but let, let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we are, we are thankful. We're thankful for this passage, God. That, that it, it written so long ago, so relevant today. God, that, that we would not um, be seeking contentment and the vain pursuit of peace anywhere, Lord, but in you. Or we need you to transform our lives. We need that radical transformation. Lord, if there's anybody here who has not given their life to Jesus and, and you're tugging on their heart right now, Lord, I pray that they would um, confess, Lord, that, that you are God and they believe in their heart that Jesus rose from the dead for their sins and they would take the first step on their journey, Lord. And for those that have walked with you for a while, God, I pray you would help us practice what we already know. Lord, we don't need to learn anything more. We just need to put into practice what we already do. Lord, we, we, we love you and we are thankful that you have, um, that you've, you've loved us. God, may we be appliers of your word and may this, this peace and contentment that comes from your transformation just be evident in our lives. We ask this in your name, Lord. Amen.